So, you've just finished A Court of Thorn and Roses, and you're craving another fantasy world to devour. Dipsy's got your back. Dive into spicy enemies to lovers' tales, or embark on an epic romance between immortal fae and sworn foes. They've got fantasy romance stories perfect for your morning walk, late night, or long bath. Dipsy is an app full of hundreds of short, spicy audio stories. They bring scenarios to life with immersive soundscapes and realistic characters. Discover stories about second chance romances, adventurous vacation flings, and hot and heavy hookups. I gotta tell you that the immersive soundscapes are really what makes a good sexy story different from a not good sexy story because it just like adds, like it's hard sometimes in like reading a novel to like get the actual feel of what's going on. But when it's like, oh, we're like at the coffee shop and this is like actually happening. It's like very different. (laughs) And there's a growing library of fantasy series with werewolves, Greek gods and goddesses, Regency era historical fiction for you, Sam, and fairy smut to explore the bounds of your pleasure. New content is released every week. So in between listening to your favorite stories again and again, you can always find something new to explore. Dipsy offers a modern approach to romance through high quality and captivating audio fiction. For listeners of the show, Dipsy is offering an extended 30-day free trial when you go to dipsystories.com slash just break up. That's 30 days of full access for free when you go to dipsystories.com slash just break up. Dipsystories.com slash just break up. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble, with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Hey, Just Break Up listeners. Come hang out with me and Sam in a Zoom room on Sunday, August 28th at 12 p.m. Central, 1 p.m. Eastern. That's right. This is a Patreon exclusive event. So uh, it'll be available to our $10 patrons. So if you head to patreon.com slash justbreakuppod, you can decide if you want to be part of that. There's also a number of other perks to being a patron, including access to ad-free shows. Uh, We have additional bonus weekly episodes that I always talk about. Um, But if you subscribe at the $10 a month level, you get to hang out with me and Sierra on Zoom August 28th at 1 p.m. Eastern, 12 p.m. Central. Welcome to Just Break Up, the podcast about love, heartbreak, and all the relationship advice you don't want to hear. My name is Sierra DeMolder. And I'm Sam Blackwell. And this week, we're going to be tackling topics like gauging our attraction, roommate drama, and our partner's aging parents. But before we begin, (laughs) we just want to give you our Surgeon General's warning, which is that Sierra and I are not licensed mental health practitioners. Uh, Mm -hmm. We are not relationship counselors in any way. Uh, We're just people who thought it would be funny to make a podcast with a funny name and look where it's gotten (laughs) us. And look, look where it got us. Uh, That is a, that is a perfect summation of what, (laughs) what, what just break up was in the very beginning. We're like, let's do this. Oh my God. Funny name. Okay. There we go. Mm -hmm. Anyway, this is all to say Sam and I are not professionals. So please 
take our advice or don't take our advice as you see fit. We are just here to offer our humble musings to hopefully shed some understanding and maybe some laughs on the incredibly rewarding but mostly confusing experience that is love. All right, before we get into this week's check-in topic, I want to remind y'all in the Midwest, specifically the beautiful state of Minnesota, that we are doing our first live in-person show since 2020. Uh, It's happening on Friday, September 30th at 7 p.m. at Amsterdam in downtown St. Paul. You can get your tickets at justbreakuppod.com. We are requiring... We are requiring folks to wear masks to keep everybody as safe as possible. And we're also looking into a virtual options for folks who are out of town or who don't want to make it or who can't be there in person. So stay tuned for the virtual option. But uh, yeah, you can get your tickets for that now at JustBreakUpPod.com. And we can't wait to see you. Absolutely. It's going to be super fun. All right. So this week's check-in topic comes from... The ultimate throwback writer. Like, I don't remember when this person wrote in, but it was. It has to be in the first 10 episodes of Just Break Up. It's from, can I get a date? Two mm-hmm. words, can I get a date? Which we hilariously pronounced as, can he get a date? <laughs> which still makes me laugh for some reason. I just think it's peak humor, really. Um, <clears throat> for sure, for but, sure. Kenny Jidadade uh, updated us and said, like, they are now dating an excellent person finally, um, but they have to listen to their friends um, talk about their horrible dating experiences, which led them to this check-in idea. So their question is about people who can't take no for an answer. Mm. Um, Like when you're not ghosting somebody, but you're telling them that you don't think that this is like a good fit and they won't accept that answer and keep coming back at you, either being like, please give me another chance or calling you like a bitch or telling you that like, you know, they weren't attracted to you in the first place. We all know those weird defensive responses that like these Mm -hmm. nice people trying to get a date with you turn into like monsters. Mm -hmm. Um, Anyway, so uh, Kenny writes, why does society make people think it's okay to just push an issue like that and not accept that we can not accept that we can tell if someone's not right for us? Um, so that's a general question. And then probably like a more specific question I would ask is like, when is it okay to like not respond or not engage Mm -hmm. with somebody, um, especially in the dating online dating world? Well, obviously I think this is like a gender thing, right. And particularly men's entitlement to women, (laughs) right. And the way that we Uh uh socialize men to think that, um, that they're entitled to access to women's bodies, their emotions, their minds, all of it. Um, and also like not just men, right. But just like generally people in our society are, are socialized to think that we should have sort of unfettered access to the hearts, minds, and bodies of women and feminine presenting people. Um, so yeah, once there's often a reaction there that says like, Oh my God, I can't believe you're telling me no. Here's all the reasons why you should be with me, right? Because like I feel mm-hmm. entitled or, oh my God, you're telling me no. And now I'm going to lash out at you because you're you're withholding something that should be mine, that should belong to me. Um, and so it sucks. And it's also not surprising that a lot of women and feminine presenting people experience a lot of these types of reactions to folks. Um, I will say that 
I've never experienced it in my life, right? Like from a person who I have kindly said, no, thank you too. Um, and I don't think that that is a coincidence. I think that that is absolutely a reflection of the way in which gender plays a role in how people respond to us when we courteously and kindly, even though we don't have to, tell them that we're not interested and that that we're going to be moving on. So why is that there? Fucked up patriarchy is the, is the short <laughs> answer to that question. Yeah, um, I agree. I'm not even going to expand on that because that's just there. <clears throat> I was sitting here thinking, like, if there's somebody listening and being like, oh, well, it's not just men. Um, I, I have no lived experience of so- this happening to someone by some by someone who does not identify as a man. Um, yeah. So I'm making a grand assumption that is also like reinforced by society and history and culture. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's a bummer. Um, and I guess if I'm looking at it on a, at a more like holistic level and, and less like a uh, gender analysis, I would say, you know, when people feel rejected, they lash out, you know, when an animal is wounded, they bite, you know, does that make it okay? No. Does it make it harder for us to be more honest and more vulnerable and more direct? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Like, it creates a tension um, where you are afraid that being transparent and honest and and just to say like this isn't working that there's going to be like a repercussion to that um, mm. and that's that's a bummer. Um, but I think that here's a great opportunity to remind us all that like you know these people on dating apps or on the internet don't have like a hidden knowledge of us. They don't know. Um, they're not in the vulnerability arena with us as Brene Brown would say, and they don't um, get unfettered access to us. Like they often assume they do either from patriarchy or from the internet, you know, internet culture. It's like autoplay videos, you know, without your consent. It's, (laughs) it's access to people's most intimate moments because we are rewarded when we film and share them, you know? So anyway, um, Just this is a great reminder that like we can be brave and bold with our vulnerability and say and and choose the non-ghosting option and say something like I've really enjoyed our time, but I don't really see this going anywhere or like I don't think, you know, you don't even have to say we had a good time. You can say like, hey, um, thanks for your time. You know, thanks for like chatting with me the past week or so, but I don't Mm -hmm. think this is a good fit. And we choose to say that. And then and then you can just block them. Mm -hmm. The the rules, the quote unquote rules of the Internet, as we have decided them collectively, is that everyone deserves a response to us. Right. And that isn't true. Um, somebody who's calling you a bitch shouldn't, doesn't deserve a response from you. Somebody who's trying, not taking no for an answer doesn't deserve a response from you, even though they have unfettered access to be in your inbox, right? Like even though they can find you in lots of different places, doesn't mean that they deserve a response, right? Um, and so I think what I do in situations where I'm faced with somebody who I don't really know, or who is, um, somebody whose opinion I don't actually care that much about um, is that I realize that the thing that I have to do is not try and convince this other person otherwise that, that no, yes. I don't want to be dating you or no, I'm not a bitch, but instead say like, um, okay, so my job here is to remember that this person does not have some sort of knowledge of me that I'm not privy to. 
This is one person compared to all of the multitude of people in my life who know me better, who know that I'm not a bitch and who accept me and accept my answer of no. And remember that people's reactions to us aren't us. They're not, they are not ours. They are theirs. And the people who are doing this have probably have a multitude of reasons for why they're doing it, including internalized misogyny and sexism, uh, pain, right? They may be hurt by it yeah. because they're being rejected and don't know how to handle that in an, in an efficient way or an effective way, right? They may have just eaten something bad and their tummy hurts, <laughs> right? Like there's a multitude of reasons why this is happening. 999.9, whatever, sure. uh, percent of which are not <laughs> about you. 1,000 <laughs> percent. of which are not about you, Right. Are, are just that yeah. you're in the wrong place at the wrong time in the wrong body. Right. And that is, and that's unfortunate for sure, but it doesn't mean anything about you as a person. So yeah. you have every right to take yourself out of their line of fire. Right. Because, yeah, because it's not necessarily even directed at you as a person. It's Man, just directed at this is the internet too. the world. <laughs> yeah. I'm just thinking about like what all of these things, like what they would, would and wouldn't say to our face. Like, don't get me wrong. I've been called a bitch by a stranger to my face before. Um, but that's just because I was a woman walking down the street and that's just part of that. Um, <clears throat> but I, a lot of these, the the messaging platform allows us to like pop off these tiny messages that like are our pain in, encapsulated into tiny little words. You know what I mean? And things that we wouldn't fucking say to people. Like I'm wondering if our parents' parents dealt with this, you know, or our sure. parents, you know. Mm-hmm. Anyway, um, yeah, thanks for bringing that back to dating. But you're right; it's it's about it's about unfettered access. It's about the anonymity of dating apps and and the internet. And yep. so, just take a deep breath and say, like, this is external to me. This is somebody else's drama, and like, I don't need to engage. I don't need to be there. I don't need to put myself there. And mm-hmm. I know that they are not telling me anything about myself um, because they don't. They don't know me. Even if they dated you for a couple times, this is their pain coming out. For sure. All right, my darlings, let's get into this week's letters. All right. This first letter comes from Anonymous Anonymous, whose pronouns are she, her, who is writing from L.A. Sam and Sierra, I need your help. Before anything, just want to say how thankful I am for this podcast and you guys for building this community. So thank you a bunches. Okay, so here it goes. I'm a 26-year-old woman, single, independent, finally somewhat stable, LOL, and happy. This wasn't the case growing up, LOL, but I worked my way up to fulfill my life. I've never had a serious relationship like ever. The longest time I dated someone was about six months. That someone from six months, I'm gonna call him Edward, was my first love at the age of 24, but I walked away because it was very toxic. Walking away was so hard, but I had to. I grew up in an abusive and toxic family, had some traumatic experiences, and saw my family go downhill for staying in toxic environments. I basically didn't want to fall into the same path. Fast forward two years passing, and I've been signal, and I love it. I feel free, stress-free, and just overall comfortable being signal. Now, here's the thing. Sometimes I feel like I'm okay and ready to date, only the thing is that I feel like I can't like anyone, especially after this love I experienced. I didn't date for the first year and a half after walking away from the six-month guy, Edward, to just be alone. But now it's been two years and I started dating multiple people this year, and I just don't feel anything with anyone. So I decided I'm okay with being single, but then a guy comes along. Let's call him Jacob. Jacob and me really work together at a restaurant. I'm a waitress, he's a chef. 
He's been pursuing me for a while and told me that he really likes me. He sees uh, something serious and long-term with me. He's literally the nicest, most generous, and honest guy so far that I've met. This is the part where I feel so bad and shady. I'm not attracted to him physically. I met him with the mask on, and he did look attractive, but once I hung out with him, I wasn't so attracted. But this is what confuses me. Why do I like being around him? Why do I blush with this guy, which is rare now for me? And why did it feel so good to be wrapped up with him? I feel weird. I feel like Charlotte from Sex and the City, where she falls for a guy that she didn't find attractive from the beginning. Although I have not fallen for this guy, I feel somewhat pulled by him. Are we supposed to be attracted to the other person that we date? Or like, is it not normal to feel attracted to them sexually? I feel so horrible for even thinking these things. And what's worse is that I remember that my ex, Edward, and how attracted I was to him, not just physically, but his energy as well. I feel like this Edward guy haunts me. It feels like I'm never going to feel what it felt like when I was with Edward. And this guy, Jacob, is really trying. I feel so confused. I know I'm young and I got a long way to go, but this is my present moment. Even if this letter wasn't read, that's okay. I'm just glad I'm sending this out to the universe. Thank you guys for being you guys. You guys gave me courage to be who I am today. Love you both. Bella. Oh, Bella, thank you so much for writing and for listening to our podcast. Um, I think that this gives us a good opportunity to maybe explore um, two different things, like explore one different types of um, attractions or sexualities um, and like how partnerships have like shifted a lot over the last, I don't know, couple hundred years Mm -hmm. and also explore like our own um, personal responsibility to like listening to our inner stirs and trying to figure out what is real in us um, so that we can like move forward in partnerships um, ethically and, and aligned with our own morals. So first let's talk about different types of attractions. Like the first thing I thought of when I read this letter, um, my darling Bella is that um, we're drawn to people for all different reasons. Um, You know, I was reminded of um, a blind date that Sam suggested a couple, I don't know, a year ago or something (laughs) called. Could be months, (laughs) could be years. (laughs) Yeah, time is a flat circle. Um, uh, The book was called um, An All or Nothing Marriage, and it was essentially about how the structure of partnerships have changed um, over the last, I mean, couple hundred years. Like, what's the time span on it, Sam? Um, yes, yeah, so the idea that we should sort of be in romantic love with people um, was like in the early 20th century. So like the early 1900s is when that sort of shifted. Um, so the idea that we are like, supposed to be in love with and attracted to our partners is like kind of a new concept, right? Yeah. And there are like discrepancies by them. Yes. And there are some discrepancies in that, right? Like, so like thinking about, um, stories of, of sort of higher class people, right? Like they had more access to this idea of love and attraction, although marriages in those situations were also made about alliances too, right? Mm -hmm. Um, or like sort of standing, social standing. Um, but before that, right, where where most people were sort of living in places where it was about sort of how are we going to survive together? Marriages were made from convenience, right? You needed to find a partner and then you needed to create offspring because you needed literal hands to help do the work. Yeah. <laughs> um, so this idea that like we are supposed to fall in love and supposed to sort of experience this level of attraction is like a relatively new experience and new phenomenon. Yeah. Um, yeah. 
And because of that, it's also really coded in the bullshit stuff of society, <laughs> right? Like it is, right. it is developed, this sort of idea of attraction is really developed by the things that were present in the 1900s. Like the ideas of what is attractive and isn't attractive has been sort of, is really part of its time um, and has yeah. sort of stuck with us in a lot of ways. Yeah. So I was reminded of that book um, because it really made me stop and think about like how much we're asking of our relationships these days. Meaning, you know, the book talks a lot about how the emotional fulfillment of relationships is a new, uh, is, is a somewhat new thing as well mm -hmm. as like, you know, the idea that we want to grow with our partners emotionally and um, spiritually or whatever, you know, that sort of level of fulfillment, that's incredibly new too. that, like even our parents, parents or, our, or sometimes our parents, second time I've said that today <laughs> um, are, uh, we're not necessarily looking for the emotional depth and connection and ability to grow together that we are looking for, like us, us just break up listeners, you know, mm -hmm. <clears throat> And that doesn't mean that you shouldn't be attracted to your partner, right? <laughs> that doesn't mean <laughs> right. that this isn't something you shouldn't listen to. Um, but I also wanted to bring up the idea of um, that you might have a different type of attraction, you know, that there are folks out there who identify as either demisexual or sapiosexual. Demi demisexual is what it sounds like you're describing, at least in this instance, um, being sexually attracted to someone based on a strong emotional connection. And mm -hmm. maybe there's an iteration of this where you're maybe not sexually attracted to them, but the sexual attraction grows be with your emotional connection. You mm -hmm. know, I, I, I guess I just wanted to like put this out there that like this doesn't necessarily mean something's wrong. Like attraction being drawn to them energetically matters. And also you're going to have to look inward and decide and discern, does this feel good because I'm drawn to this person? I want to explore a future with this person. I want to like try dating this person, or does this feel good because it's nice to be wanted and treated well and respected in contrast to what I had experienced in the past? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And I think what I'll say from my experience is that I know a number of relationships that have been successful where one of the people wasn't as sexually as attracted to the other person as they were. Um, so it is possible, right? Because relationships can look however we want them to look, yes. right? So we get to make the decisions about what we're, what's most important to us, right? And I, I'm thinking again about Angela Chen's book around um, mm -hmm. ACE, right? Where we which I love this book because it's not just about folks who identify as ace, but also about sort of our own understandings of sexuality and sort of the ways in which we have put this like prime importance on sexual attraction as being like, if you, if you don't have it there, then that means that you can't be together. Or if it's not there and you're still together, that's like pathetic, right? Like this idea of like, yeah. oh, you're dating, you're settling, you're, you're giving up the world of hot, amazing sex because, and isn't that so sad, which totally like, uh, destroys the idea that we could have different priorities in our relationship, right? So maybe right. being deeply and instantly sexually attracted to to Jacob isn't the priority. Maybe it is that he treats you well. Maybe it is that you get along, that you have things to talk about, that you enjoy being in each other's company. And you can find ways to 
build up the sex life that you want to have with each other or not, right? But that doesn't mean that your relationship is any less real, any less important. Um, so it's okay to date people that you're not sexually attracted to, right? Because because sexual attraction is just one of the multiple right. different things that we could want in our relationship. And it could be something that right. we don't want in our relationship at all. And that is also 100% fine. And I also will say that like, um, in my experience, uh, my sexual attraction has been to people who have treated me poorly, right? Like that has been the most <laughs> intense sexual attraction I've felt. And it's always when I'm all with somebody who is like nice to me, it's like, ooh, I don't know if I'm sexually attracted to that person, right? Because I yeah. oh my I God. conflate sexual attraction with with whatever it is, whatever messed up connection got made in my in my mind oh in my, my early that is the real late teens slash early twenties. <laughs> Admonition, admonition. What is it? what is the word? It, admission. Ad, yeah. Okay. Cut that. Sounds like <laughs> <laughs> that's the realest fucking shit you've ever said. <laughs> Perfect. Um. So when you're like, I'm still thinking about Edward. I'm like, even though he treated me poorly, I'm like, yeah, babe, been oh, there. Yeah, hundred percent. Totally. Yep. And that doesn't mean you. That that doesn't mean you're meant to be with Edward. Period. Like. Mm -mm wanting no, no, fantasizing about missing you know having dreams about somebody who treated you poorly like longing for that person again still is not enough of a justification or it's not like a sign from the universe that you were meant to be with this person who treats you like trash yep yep no absolutely so like don't take that to mean that you need to be with edward and don't think take that to mean that you're not attracted to in whatever way jacob yeah. right like those exes, those experiences are going to come back, right? They're going to, and we, the important thing isn't to say like, oh, this means I'm a bad person or like, oh, this means that I'm still in love with this person. But instead to be like, yeah, of course I'm going to have feelings about this yes. person that I was with for six months. That was a very tumultuous relationship in my life. Of course, it's not going to just like suddenly leave my body even after two years. And yes. what am I going to do about this thing, right? Just accept that it's happening or I'm going to make different choices, whatever it is that this, that this memory is trying to tell you. But I don't think it's a, it's not abnormal to have these things about your ex while, especially when you're dating someone new, right. Where it's suddenly like things are triggered, right. There's touching, yep. there's like yep. intimate moments. And it's like, Oh, remember when this happened? Um, and that impulse to or like, remember how easy it was with this person. Absolutely. Right? Yep. Like that impulse to, to make those false comparisons may come up, right. And the thing I would encourage you to do is to remember that like this relationship with Jacob, Jacob isn't about Edward, right? It's not, Yes. they're not, it's, they're not comparable because they are entirely right. different people. You are an entirely different person. Jacob is an entirely different person. You're in an entirely different circumstance. So feel okay with the fact that it's, that these things about Edward are coming up and remember that this is of a different moment. This is of a different time right. and you get to decide what you want to do with Jacob and it doesn't have to have anything to do with what happened with Edward. I think that's beautiful. And I would just add like a little reiteration of what I said earlier. I need you to, you know, explore these feelings with Jacob, um, explore what it would be like to let attraction grow in different and possibly organic ways than, than it has been in the past. Um, and also, you know, Jacob's a real person with feelings and 
I want you to make sure that you are not um, exploring this in a way because it just feels good. I want you, I want you to like lean into your inner stir, your inner wisdom and make sure you're exploring things with Jacob in a way that is responsible to, to him as well. You know, does that make mm-hmm. sense? Yeah. I'm trying absolutely. not to say like lead him on because like, I don't actually believe that we often do that. Like, willingly or or knowingly like we all kind of like accidentally lead people on do you know what i yeah. mean because I mean, we're exploring bad actors who are like doing bad yes things. that's but what I'm, yeah I'm, like i'm trying not to say that because i think we're allowed to explore in relationships we're allowed to mm-hmm. like to to assess out a situation and be like okay mm-hmm. can i really be with this person can i can I become attracted to them? Do I need attracted physical attraction in my relationship? Like we don't know these things until we, to, until we scope out the parameters of them. Right. Absolutely. Um, and also like Sam said that there are bad actors in situations in which we know that people do intentionally lead people on knowing that they don't, that there's no future or that they could never be attracted to them or whatnot or whatever, whatever weird human engagement we find ourselves in. Um, so that's kind of what I want anonymous anonymous to figure out is like, do you have, do you have an internal wisdom or an inner stir that's telling you that there's not a future? If so, listen to that. If not, it's time to still like check it, check the water temp, mm-hmm. you know, like Absolutely. feel it out a little bit longer. And it's, uh, it's okay to change your mind, right? Like it's okay yes. to, to, to feel how things are going with Jacob and then decide like, you know what, this actually isn't working. I wanted to see if we could make it happen. And it's not that right. That doesn't mean that you're leading him on. That doesn't mean that you're a bad person. That means that you are doing what we do in relationships, which is try each other on for size and then decide whether or not we want to move forward. Um, yeah. And, and that's, that's good, right? Like that is a, that I would say that that is a much healthier way to engage in dating than the way that you engaged in it with Edward, where it was sort of immediately yes. all or nothing. It was toxic. It was codependent and it had great sex, right? But like, yes. it's okay to say like, you know, I don't know if I'm feeling this yet. I don't know this person well enough. I haven't been in enough situations with them to know how I'm going to react to them in those situations. So I'm just going to see where this goes. And I'm going to, I'm going to be honest about that, right? Like not that like you're not attracted to him. I don't think you need to tell him that, but like, but being honest Mm -hmm. about like, yeah, absolutely. I would love to go on a few dates with you, or I would love to see where this goes and, and we'll take it sort of a a date at a time and we'll figure out what that is. And that's okay. That's okay to do. Right. All right, my darling, Anonymous Anonymous, we hope that this gives you some insight. We love you so much. Absolutely. Thank you so much for listening. Y'all, as a self-employed person, as a mom of a toddler, I am always struggling with finding time to manage my finances. At the end of a busy week, the last thing I want to do is spend time budgeting all of my expenses or tracking down customer service teams to cancel old subscriptions I no longer use. But now I use Rocket Money and it does all of that for me. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps you lower your bills so that you can grow your savings. With Rocket Money, you have full control over your subscriptions and a clear view of your expenses. You can see all your subscriptions in one place. And if you see something you don't want, Rocket Money can help cancel it with a few 
taps. I love how the dashboard shows me this month's spending compared to last month, so I can clearly see my spending habits and check myself if needed. Plus, they'll help me create a custom budget and keep my spending on track. Rocket Money will even help try to negotiate to lower your bills for you by up to 20%. All you have to do is submit a picture of your bill and Rocket Money takes care of the rest. They'll deal with customer service for you, which I obviously love as a somewhat introverted, conflict-avoidant person. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. Rocket Money has over 5 million subscribers and has saved a total of $500 million in canceled subscriptions, saving members up to $740 a year when using all of the app's features. Stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash just break up. That's rocketmoney.com slash just break up. Rocketmoney.com slash just break up. The weather's getting warmer, so it's time to say goodbye to jackets, sweaters, and hello to shorts and tees. I wanted to update my wardrobe for the long haul without spending a fortune, and luckily I found Quince. Now I've got a lineup of timeless pieces that keep me looking effortlessly chic year after year. Quince has things like premium European linen dresses, blouses and shorts from $30, washable silk tops, timeless 14 karat gold jewelry, and so much more. And the best part is that all Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman and passes the savings on to us. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes. This past month, I treated myself to a pair of new slippers because I'm in that hashtag mom life era of my life um, in which (laughs) um, I am never not in slippers. And these are 100% Australian shearling lined clog slippers. And I love that they're slip on, but they have those durable rubber outsoles. They're super cushy, super comfortable, but I feel like I can run outside to like take the trash out in them while also like staying warm and active in the house. Get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash just break up for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash just break up to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash just break up. Okay, our next letter comes to us from Bad Roommate, whose pronouns are she and they, and who is writing to us from CBT Group Therapy. Dear Sam and Sierra, first I want to say how grateful I am for your labor and expertise. Yeah, yeah, I know, Surgeon General warning, but you are experts in my eyes. I've been listening for four years. Wowza, time is weird. Yeah, it's a flat circle. (laughs) (laughs) you have taught me how to be a better partner and friend thank you thank you for being my in my ears when i'm cleaning biking and walking thank you for the love my partner who uses he him pronouns is 27 years old and is moving into my three-bedroom apartment i am 25 years old i use she they pronouns my partner let's call him matt is an amazing and supportive man who i have had the absolute joy of being in a relationship with We were supposed to be living with one of our current roommates, a woman who is 24 years old and who uses she, her pronouns, who is a very close friend of ours. Let's call her Abby. The three of us cooked meals together, planned out fun adventures together, and took care of one another during 
rough times. It was perfect. So perfect that Abby actually suggested that my partner would move in and replace our other roommate. Fast forward a couple months and I could feel tensions rising around the living situation. One night, Abby shared concerns around living with a couple and her current room, which has only one window and is quite small. I sought to remedy this and we decided on a below market rate, half that of the area uh, for her to pay. As far as living with a couple, I said we would have regular check-ins and encourage her to chat with both of us. She seemed fine. As the weeks progressed, I could feel a level of distance from her that was abnormal in our friendship. We stopped texting as much, and usually the friendly catch-up sessions in the kitchen were nixed with her saying, I'm really tired, let's talk another time. Abby struggles with a chronic illness, and I wanted to be a friend who could meet her where she was at, and also notice that the tiredness aligned with our interpersonal conflict around living together and expectations and financial components as well. My spider senses started tingling, but then I thought, let it be, your anxiety is convincing you that there is a problem here and that she needs, when she needs space and rest. Okay. Fast forward a month or so, I'm home in Indiana and I receive a text that she wants to talk to me and my partner. I get anxious and try to call her. She texts me and says that she's tired and that I have nothing to worry about. I call Matt and say, I have a weird suspicion something is going on, but I can't put my finger on it. He responds, it will all work out. Space is good. I decide to use those handy dandy CBT skills and say, you're freaking out over nothing. I return home from Indiana and I'm home in my room. When I hear Abby chatting with our other roommate, let's call her Helen. Helen and I have had a regular roommate relationship filled with some bumps. Like I'm a very loud person and she needs quiet. I want to build community in the apartment where she would rather eat her quesadillas alone in her room. Unlike how Abby and I want to live together and in community. I hear Helen say, did you get the email? The lease didn't work out. I'm frozen. I hear this and I know that Abby is leaving, that all my fears are true. I burst out of the room and I start crying and sharing how upset I am. Quiet Helen decides to speak while Abby stays silent. She says, you know, this has nothing to do with you. This is about the room, not you. Abby continues to not utter a word. I look at her and ask, why are you being so distant? Why aren't you explaining why? At this moment, I'm shaking. I decided to leave our apartment for some space, and in a burst of anger, I yelled, if you think you can come back, you can't. Not the nicest thing I've ever done. Fast forward three days, I ask Abby to have a conversation, and she is reluctant. However, she is responsive in our roommate text group, but not with me. Textbook avoidant. The past three days were quite challenging for me. My coping mechanisms disappeared and I wasn't sleeping very much or eating solid food. I felt so much sadness, hurt, and instability. I honestly felt and feel heartbroken. This friend of mine that I was so excited to build a home with is leaving. She is leaving and decided not to tell me and now won't talk to me. Abby and I have the conversation. I frame it with the following text to her. I'm excited to work things out and move forward. We have an hour-long conversation where she shares that her room is not fit for her to live in, which, mind you, I believe is a super fair reason to move, but wait until June and not tell me isn't fair. 
She also shared that some of my expectations for her as a friend were too high and that I am too loud. Abby says confidently, quote, if I lived with you, I would never get any alone time. I am crying. I feel like the young child who loved too much and too deeply, who gave too much to Abby. And in return, she is sitting next to me with an uncomfortable chuckle and shares. It just isn't a good fit. I'm pouring my heart out to her, saying that I thought you would be in my bridal party or the time that I helped you move your furniture from one part of the city to another means nothing or the time that I took care of you after your surgery or, or, or it wasn't enough. I am not enough. This, I know this isn't true. I have many friends and an amazing partner. I am enough, but in this moment, it doesn't feel like it is. I showed up to be vulnerable and even asked, if there's something I've done, let me know. I'm ready to have this hard and difficult conversation. If you don't like me as a person, that would suck, but I need clarity. Abby just sat there and listed logistical reasons while I sat there and shared how much I value our friendship. On her ends, crickets. I even asked if she felt bad for how she treated me, how she was distracted, how she how she distanced herself from me without communicating why. She responded, I feel bad for how you found out, but I had to do what's best for me. I wanted her to own up to her behavior for being a bad friend. I know this isn't the best way to go into a conversation, but the pain of feeling the loss of our friendship was and is so hard. Abby adds that I didn't respect her when she said she was tired, that I was asking for her energy when she, as a chronically ill person was unable to give me her energy. Abby says, quote, you never listen to me and often you drain my energy. I look at her and say, it isn't until now that I understand the gravity of the situation. You would say you're tired. I say I'm tired in response to folks when they ask me how I'm doing. How could I have known that this was a signal to me? I am left feeling like an ableist friend who has asked too much. It's been a month since this conversation. Abby and I don't speak. I have spent most of my days at school or at my partner's. Helen is surprisingly chipper and friendly. They signed a lease. They're looking for a third roommate. Despite the original ask to live with just the two of them due to the desire for peace and quiet, I am the odd one out. I am the nuisance. I am the one they don't want. Best of all, now Helen and Abby make margaritas while I sit in my room. They both skip off to do fun things. Abby is too exhausted for me, but energized for Helen. I am the exhausting roommate. I am the bad roommate. I'm reminded of some wisdom that I've learned from the both of you. We are not always meant for the pe to be in relationship with people we love or want to be with. I'm reminded that we there are a myriad of factors why people or friends break up. And I cannot help but think there's something more to her leaving. The very idea that, th that the three of us live together was hers. I am particularly struck by her inability to communicate or share with me what's going on. It's wild to have someone who I spoke to consistently had my location was my emergency contact is now a stranger. And here's the kicker. In two weeks, my partner moves in. Helen, Abby, me, and Matt will all be under the same roof for one month. How do I move past this heartbreak? How do I live with someone who doesn't want to communicate their emotions or mental states? And how do I find heartbreak in this constant dull pain I feel? Sincerely, bad roommate. All right, bad roommate. Thank you so much for writing to us. Um, and I'm so sorry that the past few days um, or past few weeks have been so challenging for you. Um, 
it's really hard to be disappointed by people that we love and to have um, visions of the future that feel or are incompatible, um, especially mm. when those folks live with us, which adds a whole other layer of can't even go anywhere. You know, like it's just like yeah, around you. It's totally. in like the place where you're you're supposed to be feeling um, relaxed and safe and um, like it can re-energize you to be in a situation where you're also in a place where it's like drawing a lot of energy or a lot of anxiety totally. from you is really, really challenging. So um, I'm sorry that you're, you're going through that. And uh, I hope that you find something soon that's going to feel better for you. Yeah. Roommate situations, man, they can challenge like the healthiest of friendships and partnerships because even, you know, even happy, I, I know of married people who choose not to live together, you know, um, <laughs> there are some, you know, amazing partnerships out there that just don't thrive when there's a shared communal space. Um, mm -hmm. And some people just are better off not living together. So I think that's the first piece of clarity or perspective shift that I want to bring to the table is I know that this, it might feel like this relationship is beyond repair or that you, you're trying to compute something that I want to maybe, I want to change the equation, right? Because in your understanding, a good friend is a good roommate. A good friend is a good communicator or direct immediate communicator, right? Mm -hmm. And in your perspective, a good friend is somebody who does good things because good things were done to them, right? Mm -hmm. And that's unfortunately not the case. It's, people are a little bit too complicated. People have different communication styles. And not all good relationships turn into good friendships. Like, I don't think Sam and I could live together. <laughs> we did. Well, we did. And it went <laughs> fine. <laughs> but I'm saying, like, if we were unmarried, if we were young children, well, maybe we would be fine because we had, like, separate lives. But I don't know. as I, an I example... I think it's interesting that most of my roommate situations that have happened have been when I've been least equipped to have roommates. Oh my God. <laughs> like that's I, I'm like the realest thing now in this day, if, if like somebody needed to move into my basement for like a year, like I think that I would be able to handle it much better than like living with roommates, which yeah. I had to do for most of my teens and twenties. Yeah, <laughs> like <laughs> That is so real. It's roommates are challenging. I was just thinking the other day about how we just like, we take teenagers and put them in dorms with with one another Isn't with strangers. Yeah, but like <laughs> that that forced communal living is just it can be so good and it can be so bad. <laughs> oh, absolutely, yes. Anyway, that's my first perspective shift: is that like maybe this great friend of yours wasn't meant to be a roommate, and you only could figure that out by trying to live together. Absolutely, and that that you two have different definitions of what a good roommate is, right? Mm. And both of those definitions are 100% valid, right? Your definition of a good roommate is we spend a lot communal. of time together, we are communal, we make each other food, we go on adventures together, we're hanging out all the time. seems like Abby's definition of a good roommate is somebody who gives her the space that she needs, right? Some people who want to go do fun things with her when she's feeling energized, but will otherwise let her re-energize re or um, or folks who maybe have different, a conflict style that isn't as expressive as yours is. Um, and the issue is, is that like, this is not just roommate stuff. This is like 
yeah. all sorts of stuff, right? Where we're all walking through the world with different understandings of, of, of what a good employee is, of what a good neighbor is, of what a good partner is, right? And so part of what we have to do is recognize that like our definition is ours and other people might not share it. So we need to figure out what definition we're going to use together or how we can mm -hmm. sort of shift and adapt towards each other. And I think that this is also true of like the conflict that you're having in this relationship too, yes. right? This thing that you're, you're arguing about, which is like, Abby wants to move out. Um, and we can talk about, you know, I'm not super impressed with the way that Abby <laughs> handled the situation, right? Like this idea of, I think, waiting until June to tell you is kind of unfair to you. And I wish that she had been able to be more direct. I don't know why she wasn't able to be, or I wish that she had been able to tell you earlier about what's going on. And I don't know why she wasn't able, and I don't know what the circumstances that, because I'm not in her body. But I think that you're totally justified to be upset that this is happening within um, like two months of you having to move out or of her wanting to move out. But I also want to say that this conflict may be, you may have different perspectives on it, right? For her, it might just be a material conflict, right? It might just be like, I want to move out. I want more space. I want a better room. I want to pay less rent. I want to be able to, to sort of spend more time in my room. And I can't do that in this place because it's tiny and it only has one window, right? And it's mm -hmm. the only place where I can be away from people who are talking all the time. Mm -hmm. And yours is seems to be much more about the symbolism or the relationship itself, right? This is not just about you living separately. This is about what this means about your relationship, right? Where you're like, I thought we were going to be in each other's, the, each other's bridal parties. And I'm sitting here thinking, well, why can't you still be <laughs> right? Like, yeah, do you I, have I to have live to together response. in order to do that? Right. Or this idea of like, I've done all of these things for you and you're not, you haven't done them back to me. Right. Is certainly something that should be addressed and should be talked about, but it seems like she's arguing, she's having a conflict about the, the actual like material. I need a different room. And you're having this big conflict around this means something about our relationship. This means something about whether or not we're good people to each other. And mm -hmm. that can be so, so frustrating. And that can actually make mm -hmm. the conflict way worse, <laughs> right? Yes. If we're arguing about different things for different reasons, because it feels like, and you say this in your letter, it feels like we are being unseen, right? Like we, you're like, you're just like, I want her to own up to being a bad friend. And she's like, I'm not being a bad friend. I'm just moving out, right? Like I'm just right. trying to find more space. I'm just choosing to live someplace quieter. And so the need that you have there may never be met because she's arguing about something different. She has a very yes. different perspective of this. So what are the things that you need to do to say like, how are you going to sort of support yourself in your perspective of this? Just because Abby has a different perspective doesn't mean that yours is wrong doesn't mean that yours is in any way negated by the fact that she has a different perspective, even though that may f be what it feels like. But if you're feeling this way of like, this is, this isn't good for me. This, this is hurting me deeply. This means that we can't be friends. Like that's all a valid response to what's happening. And there are a lot of other things at play here than just your experience of this, this conflict. Yeah, totally. Uh, one of my notes that I wrote to myself about this episode says, Abby will never say what you want her to say no. because the words will always be wrong because you're, you're having two different conversations. Mm -hmm. And in your letter, I read a lot of this desire or closeness, this, this 
this intensity, which I don't want you to code as a bad thing, right? Mm -hmm. Like you have your, you have this need, you want this, you want your feelings to be validated. You want her to say, yes, I hurt your feelings. And this is why you want her to even, you even asked her like, am I a bad friend? Um, did I do something? And you're looking for an emotional response. And in your letter, you wrote, she just said logistical things. And so to her, it is logistical. It's this small room. I don't want to live with a couple. I need more alone time. That is logistical. <laughs> On your end, you're looking for her to say, I don't like you. Mm. You're looking for her to say, you're a bad roommate. But she's not, that's not why she's doing this. She's right. doing this because she, she wants a different living style. Yep. And, um, you know, Sam said, like, he didn't love the way she handled it. And don't get me wrong, like, there's some... There's some logistical irresponsibilities in the <laughs> the delay in telling you the 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 lack of directness. I do have to say though, I am guilty of being conflict avoidant, right? Um, and being afraid of somebody's big emotional response, right? Over something like that has made me act not as direct as I want to be, which is not necessarily a good thing, you know, which definitely makes things worse. And also, I want to say, like, you know, I, I don't, I wouldn't have responded well to your reaction. Like, I don't respond well to being yelled at. Like, I know that that was your pain coming mm -hmm. out. Um, but just like you have a right to, to those feelings, just like you have a right to to expressing them in ways that you might maybe regret now, because we're all human. We all have reactions like that. She has a she has a right to react to your reaction, right? She has a right mm -hmm. to say, whoa, that reaction made me not feel safe to be vulnerable with you. Or like mm -hmm. maybe, the dis maybe the distance that you're feeling is just her boundaries, right? And I don't know that. I'm not in your guys' bodies. I don't, not in your relationships. I don't know what's going on here. I actually think it's more likely to be what Sam and I just described previously, which is like you're having two different conversations. One's an emotional one. The other one's a logistical one, right? And therefore, it's never going to align. It's never going to make sense. It's never going to bring you the clarity that you want mm -hmm. or the emotional like, I don't know, uh, release or the or whatever. Right. But also like, I, you know, she has a right to adjust your relationship just as you do too. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. um, I don't, I would not respond. I wouldn't feel safe being vulnerable to somebody who blew up at me, right? Mm -hmm. Like I wouldn't, and, and, but is that fair? Like, do I, is it fair? Not necessarily. Like our reactions to conflict aren't necessarily fair or logical we sure. we react in a way to keep us safe and often like i said before that's about avoiding conflict you know Absolutely. but i do want to say on that note just like reiterating some things uh that conversation that heart to heart that you had you went in there guns emotional guns blazing right like oh my god i want you to be at my wedding this this means so much to me you're hurting me so much don't you feel bad mm. right and She's going into that conversation, and I just want to say that she's going into it in not a wrong—what am mm. I trying to say? 
you're, she's not going into that conversation in a wrong way. What I read in your letter is a lot of like, I came in there to be vulnerable and she is not. I came in there to get like some clarity and she is being logistical. And that all might be true. And there's not necessarily a right or a wrong reaction. Like, I feel like you want your brand of vulnerability from her when this might be her brand of vulnerability. Mm. Even having this conversation in person might be incredibly vulnerable for her. Her texting you that she wants to talk to you and then you immediately calling is you trying to put your communication style on her, which again, that's not a bad thing. That doesn't make you a bad friend. It doesn't make you want too much. It's just, Mm. I'm trying to illustrate this so that we can have better understandings about like why some conflicts feel huge huge and defining and other conflicts feel easy. This feels like a huge conflict because she's really triggering your sense of worthiness because yep. she's not communicating in a way that validates your you. And yeah. you deserve to be validated, but you're not going to get it from her communication style when she's not when you guys aren't speaking the same language. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I um I know that it's really hard for me when I'm in conflict with somebody and they're telling me what I'm saying. Right where they're they're where I'm saying actually this is about how small the 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 room is and they're saying no but what you're saying is that you don't want to be in my wedding right and it's like yeah I like I'm I'm really trying to tell you what this is about and you're not you're not listening and so my encouragement for you is to start with the self awareness around what this conflict means for you right what is this conflict telling you about yourself and your relationship and mm-hmm. Is that objectively true, right? Is that the only or best way of interpreting what this conflict is, right? So can you get to a point where you are saying, okay, what are the words that are coming out of Abby's mouth? She is saying she wants more space. She is saying she needs more alone time. She's saying she wants a bigger room. She is saying she wants to live somewhere quieter. Okay, cool. That's what she's saying, what interpretation am I bringing to this, right? Like, what are, what's the story I'm telling about what she's saying? And getting into that self-awareness of being like, okay, well, why? Why am I thinking that? What, why is this story coming up for me? And mm. are there other stories that could be here yes. that I'm not paying attention to? Could it be that she's telling me the exact truth? Could it be that she sees this as a blip in our friendship and not the end of it? Could it be that she... Um, really just doesn't want, she's single and she just really doesn't want to see a couple being lovey-dovey all around her all the time, right? Like, what are the other interpretations in that to sort of expand this this ability to empathize and be curious about what she's going through, right? Because you're absolutely right that this that this fight could be the thing that breaks y'all up. That, And you're absolutely right to have this response of saying, if somebody doesn't want to live with me, then I don't want them in my wedding party, right? Like all of that is a legitimate response, but it's not the only response to this, mm. right? Like mm. it's not the only interpretation of what's happening. So how can you get really good at understanding where these stories are coming from and internalize it for yourself? Say like, this is me. I know that this is my stuff that's coming up. And I'm really curious about what is how this is going for Abby can actually help us connect with each other better than just assuming that you know what she's saying when it's clear that in, at least it's clear that she's telling you that you don't understand what she's saying, right? Because she mm-hmm. she's been trying to tell you a bunch of times and it hasn't come across in the way that she's wanted to. So all of that to say that like you're not 
a bad person for feeling this way. You're not a bad person for blowing up. You're not a bad person for using your own lens to interpret what this conflict is about. That is that's like exactly it. That's absolutely normal. That's of course what we do. Like as humans, we use our own experiences and our own feelings to help us understand what other people are going through. And yep. the 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 thing that I think might help in this situation or in future situations where you're experiencing this kind of conflict is to practice some of that self-awareness. What am I telling myself about this? What's the story? Where is it coming from? And can I open up to the idea that there might be other interpretations that I'm missing that aren't part of my own experience? Yeah, I think that's beautifully said. And, you know, I don't want, like Sam always kindly reminds us, I don't want you to hear this and use it as ammunition against yourself. Like, oh man, I misinterpreted this. We fucking misinterpreted we fucking misinterpret people all the time. I 100%. misinterpret Sam. I misinterpret Spencer. I misinterpret my wife. Like I am mm -hmm. always looking at things through the lens of my own needs and my own experiences because that's what humans do. Yep. And then we pop. We have that reaction. We pause. We assess. We we figure out what we want to consider of other people's lenses and their views. And then we give ourselves the opportunity to have a response to something, right? Mm -hmm. And so a response in this in this situation would be to say, to would be to I would maybe like write her a letter and say like, I don't want to put you on the spot of having an in person conversation if that's not what feels safe to you. Here are my feelings. Here are my understandings about this. I I really hope that we can have a friendship outside of this roommate situation whatever, or, or I don't know, whatever you take from this letter, whatever you're, pro wherever you are in processing this, another way you could handle it is, is grieve this relationship and say, man, it, it sucks that it went down like this. Like I am hurt that she didn't tell me sooner. I am hurt uh, that she didn't feel safe to come to me. Like that is all valid. And maybe I just need to let this relationship have its space for a while and re revisit it in the future. You know, I think, this is all, this does not make you too much. And another thing I would ask you to do is like in the letter you wrote, like all of a sudden I'm that little girl who is like loving too much. Mm. So who is that little girl? And like, what, where did that little girl learn this? You know, For sure. where did this little girl learn that um, she was too much or too difficult to love and start like nurturing that child in you um, and not necessarily asking a roommate to anticipate that little child's needs. Mm -hmm. You're 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 that little child's caretaker right now. You need to nurture her, hug her, tell her she's enough, tell her she's loved, um, tell her it's okay to make mistakes, it's okay to yell, it's okay to blow up. Um, but we can get our needs met um, in healthier and more sustainable ways. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and who who told that little girl that any sort of um, rejection or disappointment? was about her, right? Was about who she was. Um, and I also think as you're thinking about talking to Abby, one of the things I might encourage you to do is to also repeat back to her what she is telling you, right? So can you say- Verbatim. I'm hearing that you need more space. I'm hearing that you need a better room. I'm hearing that you need a quieter house and I believe you. I am also interested in continuing to be your friend after we do this. So what are mm. ways, are there ways that we can be together in times where you have enough energy to, to, to handle me or enough energy mm -hmm. to want to, to engage with me, right? 
because I think part of it is that um, being able to hear her and believe what she's saying might make her feel more comfortable telling you about the things that mm. she wants from you or the things that 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 she wants going forward, right? Yeah, I totally agree. I think that's really smart. And if this friendship is at the end of its road, um, please know that Sam and I have had similar relationships end in similar ways. And this doesn't make us a bad friend. This doesn't make us like a bad human or a bad partner. It's honestly a part of life. It's a part of life. Like having relationships end in unfortunate ways. Unfortunately, this is a part of it. And I'm sorry that if, if that is its path, I'm sorry that this has happened. I'm sorry for this loss. Um, and I know that you're resilient and kind and you have space in your heart, not only for new friendships, but to forgive yourself for the, how this friendship unfolded. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. All right, my darling, we hope this helps. Thank you so much for writing. Thank you so much for writing. We love you. All right. Our next letter comes from QK, who is, whose pronouns are she, her, and who is writing from the Dead Dad Club. Dear Sierra and Sam, had to change it up. Before getting into my question, let me state that everything your listeners say is true. You are wonderful and truly feel like my two queer besties. Although you've answered questions about boundaries with family, I'm not sure you've answered a question about navigating the world of caring for and establishing boundaries with elderly parents, probably because the majority of your listeners are younger than me. I'm a 41-year-old cishet female, she, her, in an amazing relationship with my good, true love, a 39-year-old cishet male, he, him. We live together and have a supportive, fun, loving, communicative relationship. His father passed away about three years ago, and my father passed away last year. My relationship with my mother is good, not great, but she is in overall good health, and I have a brother who lives nearby, and we all see each other often. His mother is 83 years old. Over the course of decades, she has isolated herself from friends and family. My boyfriend is an only child and is now acting as his mother's sole caretaker and sole source of socialization. He has a complicated relationship with her that's too in-depth for this letter. But yes, Sam, you do have a book for him. And yes, I have <laughs> offered him my copy. His mother um, has his mother has always been an active person, walking and biking miles a day until breaking her hip five months ago. Since this injury and subsequently related issues, she has come to rely on him more and more. She will call him at all hours, expecting him to drop everything to help her with something. He has a job that demands a significant amount of time, and now his mother is also demanding a significant amount of time. He has expressed to me on several occasions that he cannot mentally, emotionally, or physically sustain this. We have a shared goal of moving out of state, but it has been put on hold. At times, he will say that he feels like we cannot move on to the next chapter of our lives until she dies. I have mm. tried to open up discussions about getting help for her, whether that is therapy, in-home help, or alternative living situations. He doesn't seem open to it and thinks that she will definitely not be open to it. She is anti-doctor, anti-hospital, anti-therapy. At this time, I am very supportive and understanding, but I am concerned that this will, as time goes on, affect our relationship. He doesn't seem open to creating boundaries with his mother or even having a conversation with her about how taxing this is for him and that he cannot do this alone. I offer my help constantly, but he says his mother will only accept help from him. I am concerned for his health as he continues to devote all of his time to a job he is unhappy with and a mother who exhausts his resources. We can't seem to plan anything for ourselves because he is always thinking about, quote, what if she calls me that morning and we have to cancel everything? For context, we had to cancel a trip a few months ago because she needed medical care. 
I guess my question is, is this something between him and his mother that I should stay out of? Is it unreasonable of me to want him to have more boundaries with his mother or get additional help? Is there anything more I should be doing? Navigating this is new territory, so any advice you might have would be so useful. Thank you for all you do. So much love. Thank you so much for writing and for trusting us with this letter. Um, I want to just say, like, parents are hard in yes. general. And Absolutely. it's also, ch like, almost equally challenging in partnerships when they're not your parents. Um, because, like, the boundaries are one step removed. Um, yep. And it's essentially not your relationship. Um, mm -hmm. And... I don't know. It can it can add stress to, to relationships. It can add tensions and and you don't have the, you know, she's in her 80s. You don't have the decades of lived experience that make his patience a little bit deeper or his well of resilience a little bit fuller when mm -hmm. it comes to her dynamics or antics or personality or whatnot. Absolutely. Yep. And I think um, we so rarely talk about aging death in sort of in an everyday sort of way of thinking about it, right? Um, that I think often we're caught off guard when suddenly the people in our lives are at a point where they need a lot of caretaking um, yes. or at a point where suddenly the sort of the tables have flipped and now the younger generation is is responsible for the care of the older generation, Um and I think it can be really challenging to be in a relationship with somebody and then suddenly realize that, oh, we can't necessarily just have this perfect relationship between the two of us, but instead some of these big things that are going to happen are going to deeply impact that relationship and they're outside of our control, right? There are circumstances that are, that are really challenging, um, including an alien parent, including a sickness that one of us might develop, right. including some sort of you know, job loss or whatever it is, right? There are all these sort of outside circumstances that can really impact us. Um, and so I'm really sorry that you're going through this. And um, and I also say that I, 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 you're not alone in this either, right? Like you're not the only person who's watching their their spouse consider what it looks like to, to caretake for somebody who is sick or who is, yeah. um, who is immobile or whatever it is. Um, and so- I want to just say that like, this is a really tricky situation to be in, uh, for you, for your partner, for his mom as well, yeah, um, navigating this new, this new reality of what does it mean for her? I mean, this was five months ago that she broke her hip. Right. And, and there was sort of this lifestyle that she had beforehand. And now there's a lifestyle that she doesn't have access to now and also may never again have access to. Mm, right. Mm -hmm. And like, what does that mean for her? Um, which is all to say, like, I don't, I'm not trying to like negate your experiences by talking about the yeah, experience of totally. your partner, of your partner and his mom. But I want to say it to you again, just as we talked about in the last letter is to remind you of the emotional and emotional rich. What did I just say? <laughs> emotional and emotional. <laughs> I did just say that. Yep. <clears throat> the mental and emotional richness that each of the people in this scenario are experiencing, right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and this letter reminded me 
of a conversation I had recently with a loved one about like, it's hard, it's hard in this era of um, so, so many conversations are happening globally about emotional maturity, health, boundaries, you know, like mm-hmm. cutting out toxic relationships. And we personally get so many letters about like um, relationships with parents and uh, toxic family members just saying like, well, where is the line? Where, when do I, yeah. when do I draw the line? And I, the conversation I was having with a loved one basically acknowledged that like, sometimes our advice is, is not applicable yep. <laughs> to family relationships because not because the pain isn't valid, not because the family member isn't toxic or not because it isn't, um, you know, draining you or whatever that, that the the experience of the person who is like questioning their boundaries is valid, but they basically the conversation I was having with my, with my loved one, we were saying that like, I choose to overlook certain things or mm-hmm. deal with a certain amount of toxicity from XYZ loved one in order to maintain a relationship with them. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that is something that, I'm, I'm sure we've said that on the podcast before, but like, you know, there's never enough nuance when you host a, a, a once a week show in which you don't know the people that you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> and I just want to say, you know, like, I guess I want to nod to the folks out there who hear our advice and think like, man, I'm not living up to my values somehow if I'm staying in relationship with this toxic person. For sure. That's not true. Sometimes we choose to engage with people in certain ways so that we can maintain a relationship. And the whole reason why I'm saying this long-winded story is just that your partner is choosing autonomously to, whether he's got trauma around it or not, or whatever, you know, like whether he understands the book recommendation or not. Right. um, He's establishing what boundaries he can with his parent, um, in order perhaps to maintain a relationship with them. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's painful for, for many reasons. Those relationships in my life in which I choose to participate in them despite the toxicity are very tolling. They are very challenging and they, are, yep. they, are, they, they particularly challenge my peace and my sense of self especially because like emotional maturity is a value that I have. It's a value of my families. And when, and when that emotional maturity cannot be met or, or reciprocated or even treated in like a safe way, if it's very challenging for me, this is to say that your partner is probably struggling with how overstepping this mother is Mm-hmm. He's probably struggling with saying like, I want to be there for her, but this is very hard or she's not, you know, she's not meeting me in the vulnerability arena, as they say. Um, and also he's, he, he doesn't know another way yet. And there might not be another way. That was like right. a really long winded way to say just what I just said. <laughs> well, that's the, the moral of our podcast. <laughs> it's like, we'll say a lot of words and then. If you can uh, say it in one minute, we'll say it in 45. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um, no, I love that. And I, I think it's important to recognize too, that like there are, that that book is written from a 
particular cultural perspective as well, right? And that there are, mm. there are also like cultural things. And we I should have, name that book because we haven't actually said it <laughs> we, yet. <laughs> we should. Uh, it's called Adult Children of Emotionally Immature Parents. It's by Dr. Lindsay C. Gibson. If you're interested in reading it, you should because it's amazing. It has changed my life. And also, if you're interested in learning more about the writing of it or some more of the specifics about it, we did an interview with um, Dr. Gibson uh, like six months ago or something. That's part of our Head and Heart yeah. Work interviews. So um, conversations. So look those up if you are interested in learning more. Great plug for uh, more episodes. Uh, <laughs> right. And the, so it, it's written from a particular cultural uh, perspective, right? So like uh, Dr. Gibson is white, is middle-class, is educated as are Sierra and I. And so like the advice that we give is really grounded in that sort of those identities. And right. I have had people tell me that like people who are, who don't identify as white middle-class, mm-hmm. um, uh, also tell me like that would never work with my family. Right. Which is a completely yeah. understandable and justified thing to say. So recognizing that, like, that's not meant to be a one size fits all, um, advice. It's, it has helped me, but that doesn't mean that it has to help everyone else, but I will continue recommending it until I die because it has been so helpful for me. Um, well, particularly because it's about heart boundaries, right? It's about changing your internal expectation of that relationship, not necessarily cutting them out. And that's exactly what I was going to say, right? It's not just about establishing boundaries with them in terms of how much time you spend with them, or if you spend time with them at all, but about how are you establishing boundaries for yourself around what your expectations of them are, right? And so I think one of the things that you can think about in this situation is to say, like, this is the thing that's happening. It is not going to be any other way. It, in fact, I'm once removed from it. Like, I'm even, Mm. it's even more outside of my control than it would be if I was my husband. And Mm -hmm. so, like, what are the ways that you can sit in the acceptance of this. And I want you to sit in the acceptance of it, not necessarily even in like a hippie, woo woo, enlightened way. I want you to sit in the acceptance of it and be like, this fucking sucks. I -hmm. hate this. This is awful. Everything about this is really frustrating. Um, And I am allowed to be frustrated. I am allowed to be annoyed. I'm allowed to be hurt by this. I'm allowed to be to grieve the fact that this changes what I thought the future of our relationship was going to be like. You get to feel all of those things. I'm talking about like radical acceptance of this situation, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. all of the things that are happening and all of the different emotions that are coming up for you, right? I don't necessarily want you to like enact them on other people, right? Like I don't want you to take this out on your partner or on his mom, but I don't want you to sit there and be like, I can't feel bad about this because, because she is hurting. I want you to be in this and say like, this fucking sucks and I feel bad about it. And I recognize it's not her fault right? It's not his fault. It's not anyone's fault necessarily. It's just the situation that we're in. And I'm really frustrated yeah. with that. I'm really hurt by that. I'm really challenged by that. Um, because you don't have any control over what your husband does in this situation. <laughs> like you just don't, he's his own person. He gets to decide he has his own autonomy. So how, what does it look like to accept that? And then what does it look like to move forward in a deep understanding of that? How can you say things to him? Like, I see how challenging this for this is, or this mm. is for you. And I see that it, that at this moment, there's nothing else we could be doing differently. Nothing else that you could be different doing differently. Nothing else she could be different doing differently. And I really want to know how to support you in this because I don't want you to burn out. I don't want you to lose your sense of self. So what are the things that I can be doing? It sounds like you're doing that and he doesn't have a response. And that 
makes sense to me, right? You're only five months into this, this situation. So I think it's continuing to have those conversations with him to validate that he gets to decide what he wants to do and validate that he may not even get to decide. It may not feel like he gets to decide. It may feel like this is, is a choice that's being made for him and support him in saying, I understand how challenging this is and I want to be here for you and I want to help, right? And we'll figure out what this looks like. But I also want you to accept that this is the situation. And if this is something that isn't feasible for you, then there's something else that needs to change, right? Mm -hmm. um, and I think that this is something that happens a lot in relationships where things that we thought were going to happen go yeah. way off the tracks. Um, yeah. And sometimes folks are like, cool, we're, we're going to find a different track. We're going to, we're going to write the train. And sometimes folks are like, this isn't, this isn't possible for me. Um, yeah. but I will say at least in my relationship, <laughs> I didn't think that things would go the way that they went after we got <laughs> married and then they did and we figured it out and, um, it was really fucking challenging and I went to a lot of therapy. Um, and we're in a different place now, right? We're in, yeah. a, in a place where things are different. They're better. And it took, it took three years, <laughs> three and a half years yeah. at this point. So, and I'll add to that, um, you know, the other end of the age spectrum, you know, my daughter is four months old now and Willow and I always look at each other and say, this is just temporary. You know, this, mm. this, this is just a moment <laughs> in time. This is a stage. And honestly, yep. like, I want to say this about your mother-in-law, like this, what's happening right now is, um, is a stage and it's not going to be in your relationship forever. And I don't just mean that like, because we do not live forever, but because <laughs> um, time circumstances change, um, you know, she might magically say, I want help or, or, you know, I also want to say, you know, Sam and I haven't talked at all about like how to navigate getting her different kinds of help because that is truly up to her and your husband about how they negotiate that. Mm -hmm. I mean, you could, like Sam said, you could assist him in conversations about that. Um, but the best thing I think we could do is support you, you know, massaging your perspective on this, um, even though it's a very reasonable um, one to have. Uh, but this is a moment in time. This is a moment in your partnership. Um, and like Sam said, can we figure out how to get the train back on the track, even if it's a different track? Absolutely. Also, I just looked at your letter and you referred to your partner as your boyfriend. So sorry, we've been calling him your husband over and over again. <laughs> <laughs> Attention to detail. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> five out of five stars by uh, just yes. breakup. Um, Our bad. I also just do want to say to you um, that it's okay for you all not to be in perfect harmony in this moment or feeling like you've yes. got everything figured out. Right. Cause like your it feels mother hard because it is hard. Exactly. Your, your boyfriend's mother is going through this. You lost your dad a year ago. Your boyfriend lost his dad a few years ago. That is a lot to be handling in this moment. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I just want to say like, this is hard. This is really, really hard in so many different ways. There's no good way to handle any of this, right? There's no enlightened right way to be, to deal with the death of two parents and uh, a parent who is um, experiencing this big change in mobility in her life. It's, it's hard. It's just hard. And so 
you don't have to find the pithy Instagram way of handling these challenges mm. or navigating this relationship, right? Mm-hmm. You can, I, it's just difficult. There, it's not going to look good. It's not going to be fun. It's not going to look messy. There will be moments of fun and good and wonder in the continuation of your relationship for sure. But it doesn't have to be all the time. We don't have to, we don't have to glean something important out of this experience. We don't have to become better people because of it. Uh, all you all have to do is figure out how you're going to navigate the rest of this together, together in a way that is going to support you, your your boyfriend, your boyfriend's mom, and your relationship, which is no easy feat, right? It is not an easy thing to do, right? I can say all of that out loud and be like, yeah, absolutely. That's what you do. Just check all those, those four boxes and it'll all be fine. I want to just sort of... Ex- to remind you of the gravity of how challenging the situation is going to be and to give yourself and your boyfriend and your mom or your boyfriend's mom a little bit of grace in this situation. Y'all are trying the best that you can and there's Mm. just no good way to navigate something like this, especially something that is so fresh and so new and so unexpected for all of you. That's beautiful, Sam. All right, my darling, we hope that this helps. Thank you so much for writing. We love you. We love you. All right, everyone. That brings us to the blind date segment of our episode. This is when we try and set you up with something we think you're really going to like. And this week, we want to send you home with... Okay, I can't pick between the two, um, so I'm just going to say both of them. They're television shows that I am currently enjoying or enjoyed over the last couple months since we had our baby. Um, And they're totally different into the spectrum, which is why I couldn't decide. The first one has been out for a while, so I will shout it out now so that I'm like somewhat culturally relevant (laughs) instead of like sharing it nine months from now. (laughs) Um, It's Our Flag Means Death on Mm -hmm. HBO. Did you Mm -hmm. watch it? Yeah, uh, Peter watched it. It's it's very charming. It's a little not slow to start, but like I want I was ready for like what we do in the shadows, which is also another great show with a new season out. Mm-hmm. Um, but so I needed to like a couple episodes to get into it. But spoiler alert: all I'm gonna say is gay pirates. Yeah. And <laughs> <laughs> um, my boyfriend Taika Waititi um stars in it, and mm-hmm. it's about it's a it's a fictional telling of a real person called steed bonnet who was like an aristocrat who like gave up his like privileged life to be a pirate and basically like paid paid a crew of people to be his team of pirates which is not really what pirates are about but anyway very cute cute little like genuine gay love story um which is a small spoiler but is like literally what made me watch it so mm-hmm. watch that show our flag means death means death and then on the totally other end of the spectrum and other viewing platform um is the bear on hulu mm-hmm. uh honestly this show is so beautifully shot well acted well um paced great great simple storyline um it's about a like chef who was like one of the best chefs in the world um at the at a fine dining restaurant who goes home to run his family sandwich shop after his brother passes away and i won't say more um you know the plot's not very complicated but it's it's very deep and um human and nuanced um we're not done with it yet i'm probably like three-fourths of the way through but i look forward to every episode because i just love watching people do 
what they're great at. And there's some mm-hmm. great acting in this show. Um, I just have thoroughly enjoyed it. It's called The Bear and you can watch it on Hulu. Awesome. I love that. All right, everyone. Thank you so much for listening. You can like us on Facebook and you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram and TikTok at Just Break Up Pod. You can slide into our DMs, send us your favorite relationship memes, but most importantly, you can submit your questions about all matters of the heart at JustBreakUpPod.com, which is also where you can find our merchandise and tickets to our upcoming live show happening at the end of September in St. Paul. Again, get those tickets at JustBreakUpPod.com. Please remember to follow, subscribe, leave us a five-star rating and review wherever you get your podcasts and consider supporting us on Patreon. If you support us on Patreon for as little as $5 a month, you will get an additional bonus weekly episode. That's patreon.com slash justbreakuppod. This literally keeps our mics on and helps us reach more brokenhearted souls who need two random strangers giving them relationship advice. Just Break Up is a production of Duvid Media. Duvid Media, original music, recording, editing, producing, all magical things by our good friend Big Cats, a.k.a. Spencer Worth Davis. Make sure to check out his music and his most recent podcast, Finding Quantum Quest. And remember, when you're in conflict with someone, oftentimes you are in conflict about different things. You are speaking in emotionally different languages you are debating different things you're seeking different types of clarity or comfort keep that in mind when you're moving through conflict this week and hopefully it will bring you a little bit more clarity and understanding and emotional tools in that tool belt and if all else fails just break up <laughs>